It's time for Lacrosse Classified on the Lacrosse Flash Podcast Network. Your go-to source for all things NLL and box lacrosse. Now, settle down and listen up. It's time for Lax Class. What's up, lacrosse fans? Welcome back to Lacrosse Classified. Here on the Lacrosse Flash Podcast Network for EP 186, it's Jake Elliott and Tino Farah with you as Santino has slid into the co-host chair ASAP. He's in. He's in for the summer. Tino, what's going on, man? Welcome to Lax Class. Happy to have you aboard here for the next, uh, well, couple, three months as summer season is, is underway Brad is on hiatus. He's got a lot going on, news to come on him. And he didn't really want the big farewell and goodbyes and tears and all that sort of stuff. So Brad's taking the summer off. You're in the co-host chair. We got a ton to talk about on this program, including two great guests. Quarter two is Joey Capito. First time on Lax Glass Lightning. Holy shit. What a goal Joey scored in the Western Conference Final Game 3. We'll talk to him about that. And his mammoth moving on to the NLL Finals, the chase for the championship. And in quarter number three, we're getting Jamie Dowick back on the podcast here. Not so much to talk about the Toronto Rock, which we do a lot with Jamie. I know much to the delight of Steve Dietrich. But we'll talk to Jamie about the Toronto Rock a little bit. But why we want to have Jamie on is because he is also an owner of a major series lacrosse team called the Oakville Rock, who are not playing lacrosse right now due to some utter nonsense, in my humble opinion. And I think we've heard a lot from people on Twitter and around the the socials from Brampton's side of things. We know where they stand on this whole thing. But now we're going to get Jamie Dowick on and... He doesn't hold back. We know this. He's going to give us the straight goods on what is going on here between Major Series Lacrosse, the OLA, Owen Sound, Brampton, Joe Norton, all of it coming up in quarter three with Jamie Dowick. So look forward to that conversation. Evan is back in quarter number four. Lax Class Locks says, uh, another disappointing uh, week last week. Didn't come in, but... You're getting in on this for the first time, Tino. This is going to be a lot of fun. We got a couple of cool prop bets and some other things going on heading into the NLL finals. So we'll look forward to Locks, Class Locks, and Evan coming. Oh, we'll look forward to Locks. Not so much Evan. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, And here in quarter number one, we got our Stampede Stallions, of course, and a lot to talk about with that game three. And, of course, Tino, I'm going to let you talk here in a second, I promise. But the WLA season started on Friday night there in Victoria. A bunch of games are finals now, and we're underway here in the West. We're playing lacrosse at the senior A level in British Columbia. I could not be happier about this. Tino, welcome back to Lax Class. How are you, man? So good. Um, are, are you sure you don't want to you don't want to say anything else? You're like no, that, that. <laughs> good three, good three. That was like a Jim Rome open. That was right incredible. There, three minutes, of um, just solid if, rambling. If, yeah. if we rewind to the original, to like when you first said my name, you said Santino. Did you even know my my name is Santino? Yeah, I did. Because, That's incredible. No, well, I mean, uh, <laughs> does anyone else call you? Like, does your mom call you Santino? Uh, maybe when she's mad at me, but or, nobody like, else. I, 
I have an aunt that calls me that, but other than that, no. Okay, Nobody I, calls me I'm, Santino. I might go with that. I think I heard you say it on somewhere. I thought I heard you say, like, is what Tino, where is Tino coming? It's, it's actually Santino. So I might I might just have to go with that, Santino. Wow, yeah, look at that. Yeah, um, fired up that uh, the WLA is back. Uh, I know you were out in in, uh, in my uh, neck of the woods. The I, was, last I was. I was. Uh, Cram in the Cam Neely. I was glad to see that uh, there's a good turnout of people there. I have a, I have a long history of going to uh, Barrage games when I was a little kid. Used to watch Chris Gill. Yeah. My dad used to call it his office when he was uh, getting close to behind the net. Yeah, so, uh, knee yeah, pads and toe there, there, yeah. Yeah, we talked about it. Oh, well, you probably saw week, me but... play a couple of games in Cam Neely Arena if you were going. Yeah, to Yeah, maybe Chris a little, uh, little foreshadowing, and I didn't even know it. So, yeah, fired up. <laughs> I was. I wasn't again. very memorable. Um, <laughs> yeah, so the season kicked off on Czech TV there as uh, Lewis Ratcliffe and Teddy Jenner got the call for the the Shamrocks home opener. They beat the Bellies. Then the Bellies went up to Nanaimo the following night, and they beat the Timbermen. So the Bellies are one and one. Shamrocks are one and zero. Oh. Timbermen are 0-1. The Adnacks beat the Lakers on Saturday night as well in a big comeback victory there at the Palace. And uh, so they get out to a 1-0 start. Lakers are 0-1. And then the Langley Thunder last night beat the Maple Bridge Berards 13-12, the final in that one. But I think what took me back more than anything, Tino, was seeing one Chase Scanlon on the floor for the Langley Thunder. And not only did that surprise me a little bit, and I don't think we need to or have to or should probably go down the history of what's happened with Chase, but I don't know. Personally, I was happy to see him playing lacrosse again because he's just so gifted and and he's meant to play. Like, he's meant to play, and I and I hope things have turned around for Chase and, and he's figured things out. And he put in six, including the game winner last night, which was just incredible to watch. Yeah. Uh, I mean, like, ultimately, I, I probably agree with you. It's probably something that, like, we don't necessarily or we shouldn't, I guess, kind of touch on the the whole controversy there. But, I mean, like, it, his whole future is in his hands. Like, we'll we'll see how he handles things going forward. Um, hopefully, hopefully it does improve for, uh, for the better or he improves for the better. But yeah. either way, like, yeah, six goals in his uh, – in his first game of the season last night, uh, at the very least on and off from a lacrosse standpoint, pretty impressive. Yeah. Well, if you really want to dig into it, you can look it up and see what's gone on with him. I just hope that he has learned some hard lessons, turned a corner and maybe coming out West is the move that he needed to kind of get away from whatever was happening back there with his, with his ex-girlfriend and, and his family and, and all the rest of it. And maybe this is a fresh start for chase and and he can point his life in the right direction. So we're all hoping that, and he looked good in a Thunder uniform last night, uh, wearing number 87, which was a little odd to, to see. But anyways, um, so Langley, 1-0, Maple Ridge, 0-1. The Colorado Mammoth, Tino, are going to the NLL Finals, and they get a big-time road victory in San Diego, in Game 3, do or die, the Mammoth come out on top in this thing, 15-13. You want to talk about a guy that can play a little lacrosse now. Coming off the strength of a 12-point effort from one Elijah McLaughlin. Holy cow, Tino. He would just not be denied and literally willed his Mammoth to a victory in that one. 
Yeah, you're big on the first names. I just, first I don't even know if that's real or not. <laughs> I just, I went with it. I went. Um, it's it's funny, like so heading into the third quarter, Colorado's down nine to five, and I've sort of been, I've kind of had in my head for the last little bit here that like Colorado seems like a really good third quarter or at the very least second half team. So when they were heading into you know halftime, I was kind of like. I like, I definitely don't think this is over. Like Colorado's fire or San Diego's fired up. They're playing in front of their home crowd, but definitely don't count Colorado out. Oh, what was it? Nine, five at halftime, nine, five at halftime. Then Colorado goes and does like exactly what they've done for much of this season, including the playoffs in the third quarter. Not only, I mean, they only scored three goals, but San Diego doesn't get anything and it sucks the life out of the building. And then Colorado was just rolling from that point on and San Diego for the most part, they had that little bit of stretch where I think uh, uh, Stotts had one and then Doby had the penalty shot, which wasn't on camera originally, which is, you know, whatever, but inexcusable is what it is. It's not whatever Tino it's inexcusable. Just listen to this stat though. So leading up to, uh, to us recording here, I went and looked this up in set in the second half of, um, of a game throughout this entire season and playoffs, Colorado has outscored their opponent, their opponents 143 to 101 in third and fourth quarters, which is like an to me an incredible feat to have going into a series now against Buffalo, which is such an offensive heavy team. So I would have to imagine that if Buffalo gets out to a hot start definitely don't count Colorado out at any point because if they get going at all in the third quarter, like they have for much of this season and playoffs, it's going to be an unreal series. Yeah. I, 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 you know, that was kind of the tweet I put out that this series is not going to disappoint and they've just kind of seem like a team of destiny, the way they are able to come back in games and they never feel like they're out of games. And I think the National Lacrosse League got exactly what they were hoping for, whether they admit it or believe it or whatever. Colorado v. Buffalo in the final. These two buildings and fan bases are going to be going absolutely berserk during the finals here. And I can't wait to see it, man. And I've been kicking it back and forth. How do I think this thing's going to go? I'm still not exactly sure, but I, you know, for Colorado to win this thing over San Diego and to do it on the road, two games they won both in San Diego. Correct. And both those wins coming without the services of their MVP in Ryan Lee. When he went down before game one, I almost just wrote the mammoth off. I'm like, they're not winning this series without Leeser in their lineup. But give these guys some credit, man. Zed stepped up big time. Connor Robinson has continued to play well. Tyson Gibson is starting to find his way in that mammoth offense. Kinnear does the dirty work there along with Wardle. And listen, Jason Bishop and Pat Coyle and Andrew McBride are a real good coaching staff that get the most out of that lineup every single night for that Colorado team. And then you got the wall, Dylan Ward, who's just one of the big game, big game players in our sport. When the moment is big, Wardo seems to be at his calmest and it's so impressive to watch. And, and at the end of the day, I think the best team in the West 
got to the final. I know San Diego was the one team, but I, I don't know. I just felt like Colorado was was the team of destiny here in the Western Conference, and now they take on the Buffalo Bandits. And I don't think I should probably have looked at this, but I don't think Buffalo and Colorado played this year, did they? Uh, yeah, no, they did once, if I'm not mistaken, and Colorado won. Uh, really? With, yeah, the I can't remember who scored oh, the game winner, it but it came Denver in like the final too, minute. It, it no. might have been Connor Robinson that scored the uh, the game winner in like the last minute of play. That sounds right. Um, but yeah, another one where uh, I actually I think in that one, uh, Colorado kind of squandered their lead in, uh, in the second half. But either way, like, yeah, I, I couldn't possibly agree more. And just sticking with with that third quarter, like that. Obviously, they don't. You you can't look past Dylan Ward as somebody that was just instrumental in them starting this comeback. Like, like I said before, they get their three goals in the third quarter, but to not allow a single one from San Diego on route to mounting this comeback like that. What's more impressive, you know, like the comeback in the goal department or the, the defensive just shut down job that the mammoth pulled off. Yeah. It's, yeah, I. Uh, well, I'm asking you, which one is more impressive? I guess I would probably say the defense and Dylan Ward shutting down San Diego, just with how, just what we saw from Austin Stotts last weekend and Dane Doby last weekend, and both of those guys had solid games uh, on Saturday as well. This time around, Westberg was firing, so it was a little bit more of a well-rounded offense. So I guess that part is a little bit more impressive, but not it's not like impressive and like oh my god i'm surprised because when dylan ward is the guy between your pipes like i don't know i just yeah i I, and then on top like i and then i i didn't see it or i didn't hear about it until after the game but austin stott's picking up a gross misconduct at the end of that game which yikes a little bit right you don't know what was done or said but it you don't get a gross for nothing and that'll carry over into to next season, probably the least of his or, or the Seals' worries right now. But uh, never like to see that sort of thing. And you're right, you know, it was 15-14 Colorado winning this one back on April the 2nd. Uh, Connor Robinson, big night there, four goals. And Josh Byrne putting up uh, eight points for the Bandits. And I think 15-14 might be a little high for what we're going to see in playoff time here. But what are they setting the over-under at? Around 23.5 for this game, and I think that's going to be right in the, the wheelhouse. The bookmakers are usually pretty bang on with this sort of stuff, and I think we're going to see 12-11, 13-12 kind of lacrosse here between these two teams. Can't wait. Can't wait for Saturday. Saturday, 4.30 start. That is the 4th of June. Then they go on the 11th. I believe that is a 5 o'clock start. And then the 18th, game three, if necessary, is a 4.30 start back in Buffalo. So there you go. NLL finals are set. Mammoth v. Bandits. Uh, we got to, what do we got to do now, Tino? I think we need to, to saddle up here, partner. Get on the little trigger there because we're heading for the Stampede Stallion Stables. <laughs> Yes, Tino, go! Nay. 
I don't, I okay. don't know how you do it with right. like a generally straight face. <laughs> you got to, uh, you got, I'm going to have to give you some homework here and you're going to have to do a little practicing. Uh, they didn't teach this in broadcasting school. No. They didn't teach you how to make horse noise. No. <laughs> we have, uh, we've reached the Stampede Stallions stables here for this week. Stampede Stallions of the week. And I got some new information here to share with you, courtesy of the good folks at Stampede Tack and Western Wear out there in Cloverdale since 1966, corner of Highway 10 and 180th. The NLL finals are now set, and we have the best in the West facing off against the best in the East. It's a good time to remind you that Stampede Tack and Western Wear can ship coast to coast. So as you're cheering on your team in the championship, be sure to check them out online for one of the largest boot selections in Canada. Whether for work or play, you'll find it at Stampede Tack and Western Wear. Sorry for hitting my microphone. Stampede.ca, where shopping online is still shopping local. Tino, you got to get yourself a cowboy hat, and now you got to get yourself some boots as well. Yep, got to hop on the bandwagon. Absolutely. Head on out there to Cloverdale. Stampede Stallions of the Week. Only one game to select from here, or you could just go totally off the board and go crazy here but uh give me your give me your stallion of the week yeah uh, okay sh- uh, i'm not even gonna read you the stat line because it's gonna give it away too much uh my okay. uh stallion of the week is none other than mr tim edwards oh man <laughs> we were right on the same page Tim. oh look at that 19 for 32 on the draws nine loose balls and uh a trip down to vermont as well going apple picking with two assists Oh, uh, I see. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know where you're going with that. Yeah. I, uh, speaking I know, I of, know. speaking of, uh, my lovely girlfriend, Danny says, I owe you an apology because, uh, went to the farmer's market right here in my hometown of Coquillam on Sunday morning. Well, I, I didn't really go. I went to like the drop off zone and, <laughs> let Danny go to the, the farmer's market. But she came back and said, you owe Tino an apology because there was plenty of, uh, you know, guys there 30 years of age and younger, which, because I, I got at you for acting like a 45-year-old last week. <laughs> um, so I, I, when we drove past on our way out, because like I said, I didn't get out of the car to go to the farmer's market, but uh, I did not see one, so I'm not apologizing to you. Wow. Okay. Well, I'm I'm glad that someone on my me, side. Tell me this though. No, as soon as you said farmers market, like you got a fan right off the get go. He <laughs> loves the farmers market. Uh, but you know, for me, like I, I like I've walked through a couple. Not to get way off topic here, but like 85, 90% of the vendors there, I'm just like, like I got no use for you. Where's the food sort of thing. But <laughs> what, like, what are you looking for when you go to a farmer's, what, what catches your eye or appeals to you? <laughs> okay. So I should clarify. I'm not actively looking for <laughs> farmer's markets in my area. You don't know the circuit, <laughs> like who's where, no. and what's, no, cause she does. Let me no. tell you. Uh, we were invited out to, uh, to go check out the one in White Rock by some friends, but they had some cool stuff there like, like there was a what? couple there was this one uh, tent that had there were like these shelves uh that, that you'd mount on your wall kind of like they almost <laughs> like they're they're like floating shelves but they were in the shape okay. of like a mountain okay. they were kind of neat there's tons of I, we came home with a couple of bottles of wine and uh, uh well you can booze. just sell liquor at the farmer's market is that you better be, and there's the trick go through the farmer's market and get a sample from every stand <laughs> there's your day <laughs> 
All right. All right. Uh, Timmy Edwards, welcome to the stable. You were this week's Stampede Stallion of the Week, and, and a great pick, I would say, Tino, because I was thinking the exact same thing. He just seemed to to kind of, like, he was, he didn't win all the draws, obviously, but he seemingly won the big draws, and, and especially at the end of that game when they needed the possessions. You know, San Diego's trying to make that comeback, and, he kind of snuffed that out, winning a couple of big draws late in that game. Yeah, and I, I like his record. So he went, what did I say, 19 for 32 on draws. But I like that he did that going up against Bobberry and Gobrick collectively. Yeah. So he's going up against two guys. And exactly like you said, that's what I was thinking as well. Like the the timeliness of some of these draws. And when he's going back there to play defense as well, it's not like he's a liability on the defensive end either. So just overly impressed with his with his game. Yeah, and and we had Andrew McBride on a couple of weeks ago and he he was raving about Tim Edwards and not not just his his face-off prowess but his defensive ability and from where it was when he first entered the league to where it is now like he's taking on some big assignments and playing some heavy minutes so uh good up-and-coming American box lacrosse player there and Tim Edwards. Well, he's established now. He's not up-and-coming. And he's this week's Stampede Stallion of the Week. Welcome to the stable, Tim Edwards. Uh, that was quarter number one. Quarter number two is on the other side, and it's lightning. Joey Capito of the Colorado Mammoth joins us next. EP 186, Lacrosse Flash Podcast Network. Associated Labels and Packaging a fun family company that offers premium quality labels and packaging with unparalleled service. With 40 years of experience, an extensive product catalog, and an ever-growing fleet of equipment, Associated Labels and Packaging is the perfect fit to take your labels and packaging to the next level. Hey, this is Jimmy Quinlan, head coach of the Saskatchewan Rush, and you're listening to The Lax Class. Welcome back to Lacrosse Classified. Into the second quarter we go. Second quarter brought to you by Associated Labels and Packaging. Associated LP, that stands for Labels and Packages. They focus on ethics, people, and quality. And of course, family owned down there in Coquitlam with over 40 years of experience. An ever-growing fleet and expanding catalog on the daily. These guys are the best in the business when it comes to labels and packaging. AssociatedLP.com is where you can find him. We found this man here for the first time on Lacrosse Classified. He and his Colorado Mammoth punched their ticket to the NLL Finals. It's Joey Capito. Lightning is on the pod. Uh, welcome to Lax Class, Joey. Thanks for doing this, man. Happy to be here. Looking forward to it. Uh, as are we. I imagine you're you're looking forward to being in the NLL Finals for the first time in your career as well. Been over a decade wait here for you. We'll get into the game and all that sort of stuff, but I guess just take me through the emotions, man. You've spent a lot of years there, a lot of playoff losses to the Roughnecks and all the rest of it, and you're finally in the big dance. Uh, what was going through your mind there when the final seconds ticked down? Happy, man. I don't. Words can't even do it justice. I don't really know how to describe the feeling. Um, you know, you're happy but not satisfied because you know there's still a lot of work left. But you know, as you alluded to, we had had a lot of playoff disappointment over the years, a lot of heartbreak. Um, I was 0-6 against Calgary in my playoff career going into this season and just finding new and different ways to lose. So uh, to come out on top against them first and then the way we won the next series, you know, um, a really resilient group, 
um, and everyone just kept battling and it's uh, just happy is, is kind of probably the best word, but yeah. knowing we still have a job left to do. So can't, uh, can't relax and can't celebrate yet. Did that feel like a really big hurdle? Like, I don't know how many guys are kind of left over from all those losses against the Roughnecks. It doesn't feel like a whole lot of many of you guys, but was that like a big mental hurdle for you and the franchise to get past the Roughnecks in the playoffs? Maybe the franchise for me. No, nah, I mean, and one game that history doesn't really have anything to do with it. I don't really think about that stuff when I play. I expect to win every game I play in. So uh, I wasn't really bothered by it. And yeah, we we're, we're pretty veteran group, but a lot of the guys, or at least half the guys haven't even been around or don't really know the history uh, very well. haven't been a part of it. So I think to them, it didn't matter either. And um, again, the way we won, the way we kind of fought back and had the big second half, just no one was playing nervous. No one was playing scared. No one was thinking about the past. Uh, and coming out on top was such a great feeling. But it did feel like a little bit of a weight off your uh, shoulders uh, and, once you actually get that one. And Tino and I talked about that a lot off the top, Joey, that the Mammoth just kind of found a way to win this year, whether it was you know playing out in front and, and kind of running away or the ability to come back in games, which you did a lot of this year, especially in the second half. Where does that belief and, and calmness and confidence come from? I think it stems from the top down. I mean starts with the coaching staff and, and Patty preaching the message of next shift and really not playing the score at all. We're not too worried about the scoreboard. We have the mentality that we're down and we're going to keep chipping away. Um, you know, I mean, we got the best goalie in the world in that for us. So knowing uh, he can going to come alive and going to stop the ball and uh, takes the pressure off a lot, but yeah, just, just a really resilient group, a lot of character in the room, a lot of heart um, and just guys who won't quit. So you've seen it throughout the course of the season. I, we were down quite a bit. I think every game in this playoffs, We've been down uh, at halftime as well, too, So, or early at least in the third quarter. Um, but it's just uh, kind of the makeup of this team. So uh, it's it's a different vibe in the locker room than it has been in years past. You know, talking to some guys who've been around, it kind of feels like even the last game was one in years past. We might not have had the, uh, the mental toughness to kind of stick in and, and get out. But it, it's a different group, and uh, I couldn't be happier for the guys in the room and couldn't be happier to be a part of that team. Uh, we were talking off the air or beforehand, and you mentioned you were drafted in 2011. I know you, I know you, big team guy. So, but I do want to talk about you individually a little bit. I, sure. I just want to know if you can speak to a little bit your your process of you getting drafted in 2011 to where you are now, being one of the premier transition players in the league. If you could just speak to your your process, how you've gotten here. Uh, yeah, it's, it's it's been a long, hard road, I guess. I mean, when I got drafted, I was just a straight old guy when I played junior um, for 6A and uh, even I, coming out there I, I think the only reason I ended up in Colorado was uh, Eddie Como was a coach at McMaster and I played a couple games for the Mac lacrosse team there so he knew who I was and I played junior uh, and at the time I was playing football so I think the original plan was to just kind of draft me and stash me on a hold that list and see what happened but what, you know, I did what were you in football by the way Joey what position did you play I played uh, cornerback. Okay. Back. So just basically on the weak side, a lot of times one on one with the deep, or with the uh, receivers. Okay. So yeah, that was back in 2011. Actually, the year we won the Vanier. So we had won the Vanier, and then that next week on like the Thursday, I was flying down to Colorado for the first ever camp. Um, and I did enough to impress them there and stuck around. But I started the season on offense, um, and then I kind of asked if I could move to the back because I thought you I had did. a better chance of maybe playing. You yeah, did. I had a conversation with Hammer. Um, cause I knew like, I mean, our offense is pretty loaded. Back Not then. many guys request to go back. Like I've seen a lot of D guys say, Hey, give me a shot up front, but you don't see too many old guys say, Hey, maybe put me out the back door. Well, yeah. With the arrows, I did a, a little bit of it. Like I was 
exclusively came out the front door, but I would stay and kind of put on almost a reverse transition and put a trap on and stay and play defense and then get kind of fast break opportunities the other way. So I, I, you know, just going into a practice, just thought I could help us a little bit maybe or get a better chance and get to learn a little bit. So um, the second half, I kind of moved to the back door and took practices there. I got my first ever game uh, at the end of the season. And uh, I had a lot to learn, I guess, as a defensive player, you know, just tendency systems. You pick up little things as you go, but, uh, and I'm still learning those things, but over the course of my career, yeah, I just continue to establish myself as, as a defender and get better on defense. And, you know, the transition offense has kind of always been there for me. It's, <laughs> yeah. it's who, who helped get you, up the floor in a hurry. Who helped you along in your defensive career? Like who kind of helped you learn how to play the position? I don't, I don't know that there was one guy, like I've always been someone to kind of, I've been a quick learner. Um, and you know, I've, I've always been a film kind of junkie. And I think that's just from football days as well. Um, because if you're not going to pick up things on film, you're not going to play. Um, so learning from other people's mistakes, kind of how they played and then obviously watching your own game film and, and knowing what you need to do better. But I, I don't like saying like one guy or two guys molded my game. I try to do bits and pieces of everyone. Yeah. You know, if I see someone do something, uh, in a game like, Oh, that's pretty good. That might work for me. I'll try it out in practice. And I've kind of done that throughout my career. So, I mean, I don't, I really don't think there's one guy. It's just, you know, hundreds of hundreds of plays that I've seen over the course of my career that I'm, I've tried to put into work for myself. Um, I imagine the quicks and, and the speed has always been a part of your athletic career and, and you don't get a handle like lightning without being pretty fast. Uh, you got another fast guy in Jalen Chaster there, a little younger legs as well. I'd like to see you guys just kind of line up and go end to end and see, see what it's all about. Uh, now I, I think in your prime, Joey, you're, you're probably blowing his doors off, but Jalen can maybe give you a run for your money now, but where I'm going with all this is who, who gave you the handle lightning? Uh, Willie B gave me the handle. He was our um, in-game um, uh, kind I remember of Willie guy. D. <laughs> he yeah, was he, was, he was awesome. He, he really rubbed up the crowd. And, uh, yeah, just one game, I went on the breakaway and called me lightning, and he started doing it, and it stuck. And, you know, I, I got quite a few breakaways, so I got a lot of chances to do it. And I don't know. It just kind of took off. The fans started calling me it, and then it all started picking me up, and now it's the thing. So yeah. I think it's a pretty cool handle to have, and I, I like it. Yeah, no doubt. So every time you score a goal, and like we'll talk afterwards, I hope about the goal you scored this weekend. Oh God, yes. First of all, this arguably the goal of the year, without a doubt. But every time you score a goal, you seem to look right at the mammoth fans and do whatever whatever you can to get them as fired up as possible. Like what? How much energy does does the fan base give you guys as a whole, but also you individually? Oh, a lot. I I don't know if you can describe what it's like playing in the. uh, in the loud house there it's it's electric i mean it's awesome atmosphere and you know it's it's different too when you score a transition goal i mean 99.9 percent of my goals are transition goals um and i think they really give a spark because they're kind of unexpected you know and you can see it kind of when you're watching them on tv and stuff like the second i get a fast break or break where the fans are all rising their feet and that anticipation for what's coming and then when i actually put it in the net uh i just so much emotion is kind of released and you know, a lot of times there are big moments in the game and there's something and just a little bit extra. And I just want to get the crowd even louder, get them more into it. Because um, for your bench, it, it really is energetic. And for the other bench, it's deflating. Like you hear the fans cheering like that. You just gave up a transition goal. It really, you know, puts them back a step. So I try to get them as fired up as I can, but it, it definitely goes both ways. And uh, they give a lot of inspiration and uh, a lot of reason to be excited for us at home. Do you know it's, it's almost disappointing the goal you scored this weekend wasn't in Colorado because I would have loved to hear <laughs> how that how that crowd uh, lit up. But can you even try to describe 
how you put that in the back of the net. What? Yeah, walk me through this thing, Jared, because I don't <laughs> even know. Like, it wasn't really a backhand. It was kind of like a blind over your head spinning, like. And then the the setup before it with the spin move, like, and then the moment in the game and the the magnitude of it all, like this thing was off the charts, man. And not too often when I'm just kind of watching a game, not calling a game, but just sitting there kind of watching it, do I like get out of my seat and went like, holy shit, like that that was crazy. What was going through your head when when you found out? Did you even see it go in? I didn't see it go in. I looked after and saw it in the net. So my first thought was like, oh, shit, I hope it wasn't in the crease. Um, <laughs> I, I, yeah, the whole play. So they had a fast break the other way, and I was kind of coming back slowly and like hoping we got the loose ball. Carnes did a great job finding me, and then it was a one-on-one. So my first thing is look at the bench, see who's coming for them, see who's coming for us. And there's really no one. So I tried to freeze them by looking at our bench just to get them to stay over there, and I, was, I wanted to just shoot originally, but didn't really bite for that. Um, and then when he did, and I knew I was going to do that spin move, kind of fake shot spin move. I've done it quite a few times uh, in my career, and he's a younger guy, so I was hoping he wouldn't really know it. Um, and I actually got by him, and like if you watch, he basically tackles me, like he puts a free hand on me, yeah, uh, and grabs me and starts tugging me. And I had one hand on my stick, so I, I'm shocked there wasn't a holding call. I thought for sure there was going to be a call, so I was just trying to get it on net. I knew the only way I could do it was kind of behind the back. So as I started to kind of throw it behind the back, there he basically spun me around. Um, and my only thought was just throw some low junk, get it on that, and hopefully you get a penalty for the team. And it somehow went in, and I just, you know, the the emotion kind of like you said, the point in the game with about ten minutes left to give us the lead, yeah. um, in a do or die game. Just it just I was I was so fired up and amped up after that, and I hope and I think it gave us a bit of a spark too. The, the bench seemed to really erupt as well. So you know, it was a big moment and a, and a big goal. And I'm, I'm just very fortunate that it all worked out according to plan. Yeah, man, it was, it was electric. And do you know, do you like, do you know what your career shooting percentage is? Because you mentioned more often, like all your goals kind of come in breakaway or transition and you usually score when you get those opportunities. So I'm imagining your shooting percentage is probably pretty high as far as your career goes. I honestly don't have a clue. I don't know how many shots I've had. How many? I don't even know how many goals I've had. I it's probably like maybe seventy-ish or something. But uh, it's, I, I hope my shooting percentage would be at least uh, you know one out of every three. And obviously, oh, I'd I, like it to be a little bit better. And if I you go on a breakaway, it should be yeah. a little bit higher. But no, I, I really, I really don't have a clue. Uh, looking ahead now to your guys' opponents, uh, you guys are going up against Buffalo in a situation. You know, you guys are obviously in the final for the first time in almost almost two decades Buffalo for the most part has kind of cruised through a lot of the season with some of the offensive numbers they put up. What, what kind of challenges do you guys see with facing Buffalo? Well, we played them early in the year um, and beat them at home and it was also back to back for them. So that's obviously tough, but I think that's going to give us a little bit of confidence um, going into the game. But obviously, I mean, they they were the top team in the league for a reason. You know, they have a, a dynamite offense. Lots of guys can fill the net. The defense is phenomenal. Vino's a great goalie uh, who's proven that throughout the course of his career. So it's going to be a challenge. Um, I don't think our mentality changes. I don't think our game plan changes. You know, we're going to come out and battle. We're going to give you everything we have. Uh, it's going to be a strappy game, and we're not going to fold or uh, throw in the towel at any point. We're just going to keep fighting to the, the end, and hopefully it uh, does enough to come away with a victory in the series. Here with Joey Capito of the Colorado Mammoth, and going through the series that you just went through where you had to win 
on the road. And, and funnily enough, you did it twice to, to get the series win, losing your home game. But you're going to start in Buffalo. You know that that atmosphere is going to be just as crazy as it's going to be in Colorado. But that has to give you some some confidence and some belief that you guys can do it on the road. And like you said, a team that you've beat this season already, but you're going to start in Buffalo. But being a successful road team has got to serve you well going into this one. Absolutely. Um, and, and like I said earlier, though, I go into every game expecting to win. Yeah. You know, we wouldn't show up if we thought we were going to lose, if we didn't have a chance. And why not us? I mean, we've proven throughout the course of the season we, we have what it takes and we can win those big games and those close games. Um, and we have lots of experience not to draw on, even in this playoffs alone. So uh, the way we've handled the postseason, all three of our wins on the road, I think that's going to bode well for us. And, um, you know, we, we won't be scared of the moment. Uh, we're going to come out, we're going to battle. And uh, we're going to give it everything we have game one there. Uh, I want to ask you about uh, the guy that's manning the crease for you guys, Dylan Ward. He plays such a such an aggressive style just in terms of his positioning in the crease. He takes such a big step outside compared to a lot of other goalies in the league. Um, what kind of confidence do you guys play with when you know he's making these miraculous saves when he's like on one foot twisting around like with his stick in the center of the net and he still gets a piece of it? It's, it's uh, again, I don't know how, how you put it into words um, when you have a goalie like that who you know can make a big save and bail you out time and time again. And I don't know how many times he's bailed me out over the course of my career <laughs> when I get caught. But it, it's just great knowing that you have that backbone in the crease uh, and that leader back there. And, and, yeah, the way he plays stepping out, you know, he it allows him to be so good. And it kind of what makes our defense so successful. I think he has a lot of trust that we're going to do our job up front and we're going to kind of give up the shots we want to. But, you know, it, knowing that he's going to make those big saves and we're always going to be in a game because of him. We always have a chance to win because of him. And he's proven that throughout the course of his career. And he's another guy who's not scared of the moment here. He's unflappable. Yeah. Um, he just, he just, I wouldn't want anyone else in the world. The bigger the moment, the calmer that guy gets. It's it's actually insane to kind of watch. And let's take it a step further and, and go up on the bench. And Andrew McBride's been been there for for a few years now Joey and he's really kind of put his his thumbprint on that defensive unit and the style you guys play and like you said giving up the shots that you're looking to give up to to give Dylan the best chance at success uh talk about the job and, and what it's like playing for Andrew McBride I love Brider I, I played against him for a few years didn't really know much about sure. him yeah um but he plays or sorry he coaches with the the same emotion and energy that he played with you know great leader um, super passionate. He, he knows how to get the boys fired up, but then uh, he also knows kind of how to deal with you one-on-one. And, you know, some guys you need to yell a little bit. Some guys you can be more buddy-buddy and more calm and just talk through things, but he does a good job with that. And he really is a student in the game. Like he's a guy who's flying down, drawing up plays on a notepad, uh, drawing up new drills for practice. He, he loves the game. He's always following it and trying to learn and grow. Um, and since he's been here, you know, the last four years or however long it's been, just the way he's kind of evolved our defense and, uh, some of his philosophies and coaching and techniques and the system, all that. Um, it, it's shown uh, kind of with what we've done on the floor, you know, over that yeah. time. And, you know, we're consistently one of the better defenses in the league. And Wardo's always got his numbers up towards the top. And I, I think that uh, a big part of that stems from him and Patty as well, obviously. Yeah. Um, Pretty good at defense, yeah, that Pat Coyle. Pretty good. He did, uh, he did all right for himself <laughs> over his career, I guess. Uh, Joey, I got one more for you. I don't know if you're, uh, I don't know how much of a hockey fan you are, but have you jumped on the Avalanche bandwagon yet? Yeah, the Leafs lost in the first round again. So what else am I going to do? Like, every year is the same thing with them. But uh, being with the uh, Mammoth for so long, getting a chance to go to a bunch of Avs games. You know, it's funny because I grew up um, like with those Wings-Avs uh, rivalries. And I liked the Wings back then with Stevie Y and Shani. And I always hated the Avs. But 
since I've been there, it's kind of flipped and I want to see them do well. Our offense looks unbelievable right now. And, you know, hopefully again, now that the Leafs are uh, out of it, they'll, they'll bring the cup to Colorado. McDavid against McJesus is going to be something else. I mean, uh, McKinnon against McDavid is going to be something else to watch. Uh, you've gotten actually to experience a lot of cool things being a part of the the mammoth organization and and one of them being you're a big wrestling guy i know right you love the, the wrestling and and the mammoth always seem to do a, a couple of promotions and you've gotten incorporated into a couple of these things yeah i a big wrestling fan uh growing up i kind of got away from it and then got back to it later and you know there were a few of us there's not too many wrestling guys on the team now brighter actually is a big wrestling okay. guy our <laughs> trainer scotty long and then when uh steve fryer was there being deep with the two the two wrestling guys um but yeah they they have a wrestling night every year and the one year we were a part of it we got to kind of come out with willie or sorry with uh Wooly, who was entering in a battle royal and uh i don't know i walked out ripped the shirt off and was just going nuts yes. with it got in the ring and was like jumping around and it was it was just so much fun to be a part of that because uh, those guys it's incredible what they do and, and they're amazing performers and athletes and you know putting their bodies on the line just for for our entertainment it's just it's it's Nothing but respect for those guys in their career. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, a couple more minutes here because I wanna, I want you to touch on a couple of guys out the front door too, Joey. And you know, I, I think that the Ward's always been there. The defense has always been real solid. You've had great coaching. The offense was kind of like there was something missing for a lot of years there, where the the pieces of the puzzle just didn't really quite fit. And we've seen the emergence of of Carter Robinson into this offensive unit. Dylan Kinnear doing the, the dirty work. You go out and acquire a number one overall pick in Tyson Gibson, who's finding his way now. But a guy that, that you've been around for, for quite some time now and kind of watched grow up in this league is Eli McLaughlin. And when Ryan Lee went down, I was one of them. I, I wasn't really giving you guys a whole lot of chance to, to get past San Diego. But it just kind of goes to show what this offense has become where a guy like that can go down and the rest of the boys can pick their game up and get the job done. But Eli really just kind of put it on his back in, in that game three, putting up 12 points. And now has become a premier superstar in this league and, and a guy that is a big time, big game player. Yeah. I mean, he's one of those guys who's, who's always been talented since we drafted him. But, you know, for the first few years of his career playing behind junior and Jonesy, yeah. Um, it's tough getting the ball in your stick. It's tough getting looks. But since he's been the guy, and every year he's consistently gotten better and better. I mean, he played for Team Canada at the last World Championships. Like, but he's a guy no one really talks about, which I don't understand because uh, just the way he plays the game. You know, he plays it fearless. He's not scared to get inside, take a beating for you. And uh, like you mentioned, you know, uh, stepping up this last year is the playoffs. Actually, like what he's doing is, is unheard of, really, in this league. Like it, it's insane. Every game, he's he's getting what he, I think he's gotten three, three, six, five last four. So he, he's really stepped up on the left side. But you know, I, he's been awesome for us always, and, and he knows his role in the team, and he knows you know it's his show up there now, and he's leading by example. But it's not just him; everybody's contributing. Uh, you know, you mentioned those other guys like Robbie's been great. Uh, News is just moving guys. Same with Wardle on the left side, just finding ways to get inside. And on the righties, I mean, Gibby Gibby played great last game. Zeddy's really stepped up his game. Uh, and Bmax rolling around, I, I feel like I have to give everyone a shout out because it is the best yeah. uh, team offense I, I've, since I've been a part of. The ball is just moving nonstop, back and forth. Everyone's setting picks. You know, everyone's contributing in one way or another. Whether it's on the score sheet, they're doing the dirty work that no one sees. But as a defender, you know, for someone who's been here as long as I have, and we've had so many games. You know, I think two years ago we lost eight four in the playoffs. 
So knowing we have an offense that can put the ball in the net and we don't have to really, um, the pressure is just off a little bit. We don't yeah. have to play on our toes. We don't have to worry about making that mistake. So it's, it's awesome for us to have guys who can fill the net and have that confidence in the group up front. They've been phenomenal for us all season. What do you think? Uh, retro high socks for the finals here. Are we going to see it. I don't think that looks ever coming back. No, um, I think it's done. I did it at first. I, I did it in junior just so my parents always knew where I was and did it out in the league. So, um, they could find me on TV easily, but I wear the, the leggings in summer ball and I like the feel of it better. Uh, just more comfortable. You never get turf burn on your knees, which yeah. is nice. And after the pandemic, my wife's like, Oh, maybe it's time just for a change. Just gotta grow up a little bit. Cause okay. the other ones are a little bit, uh, juvenile. So I, I think, We'll probably keep the look, and hey, the new look's working. There you I go. Zero's finals appearances with the long stock, so apparently the new work, uh, new look works better. Don't mess with it, man. Uh, quickly, uh, Summer, are you back with the Kodiaks after all this is said and done here in the NLL? I, who the hell knows? I mean, who the hell you knows what the state of Ontario Summer Lacrosse is going to be uh, this year? I Honestly, my full focus is with the Mammoth right now. Yeah. I'll try to go out and get this championship, and then I'll worry about all that stuff. Fair afterwards. enough, man. Fair enough. Uh, listen, Joey, thanks for doing this here on Lax Class. Uh, glad to run you down and, and have you on, and great to see you in, in Colorado in the finals. Best of luck against those bandits, and uh, I'm sure we're going to do this again because this was a fun time. I appreciate you having me. It was a lot of fun, and yeah, anytime. I'm happy to do it. There you go. Joey Capito, Lightning, Colorado Mammoth. They are in the finals against the Buffalo Bandits, and do you know, you, you – just heard it there from joey like the transition success the the goals that this guy scores like every time i see him come down on a breakaway i'm already just kind of counting it as a goal because he's been that successful yeah it's uh, it stands out so much like if the speed doesn't catch your attention (laughs) unmute your mic I went to <laughs> I went to mute season. Joey and I muted you by accident. Man. My bad. <laughs> Sick. <laughs> Start again. Start again. Yeah, uh, I was just gonna say like if if the speed doesn't catch your attention right away, the white gloves catch your eyes, and then as uh, he's he's flying through the air like right away. And and like I said when I asked the question as well, like when I see him looking at the crowd to get the crowd fired up, like I'm actively getting fired up. It's it's electric and. I'm so fired up there in the finals. It's going to be unreal. That goal was just filth. Pure filth. Uh, We got to take a break here on Lax Class. Halftime is upon us. And on the other side, we have the owner, GM, president of the Toronto Rock. He also owns the Oakville Rock. And like Joey said, uh, not sure what the hell is going to happen with Major Series Lacrosse this summer. We're going to find out from one of the owners of a Major Series team, Jamie Dowick, on the other side. Keep it right here on Lacrosse Classified. We're back after this. Hey, this is Jeff Snyder. You're listening to Lax Class, your go-to source for all things NLL and box lacrosse. All right, I think I figured it out this time. I got it. Uh, we're back on Lax Class. We're into the second half of action here on EP 186. And quarter number three brought to you by our good friends at Rycor Construction. They make it stand out. Check them out, Rycor Construction Inc. on Facebook and Instagram. Or go to the website, www.rycorconstruction.ca. Or take it a step further and uh, give them a call. Go to the website. They got their contact information right there and check out their stuff on social media and if you're looking for interior or exterior renovations and you want it to stand out rycor construction is the place to go 
because they'll do just that for you. Welcoming back to the podcast, owner, president, general manager of the Toronto Rock, owner of the Oakville Rock, uh, former co-host here on Lax Glass as well, and my good friend and Jamie Dowick back on the pod. JD, I know you're hanging at the track here on a Monday evening, I suppose, back there in Oakville. How's it going? What's going on? Uh, I'm good, buddy. How you doing, man? Thanks for having me on. Appreciate it, as always. I'm good. Not a, not a heck of a lot going on, have really, you, have to be you, honest yeah, with you. That's a little, I know you're probably a little disappointed with the NLL finals uh, set to begin this weekend, but maybe we'll uh, open up the wound here a little bit, Jamie, before we, we get into to the MSL stuff. Uh, just, you know, tough series there, tooth and nail with the Bandits. I know it was a, a two-gamer, but, I mean, that both those games literally could have gone either way, but Bandits uh, get it in the end, and... I know he came through on the pizza for Chugger, which he was happy about. <laughs> yeah, I don't know what he was more happy about, the win or the, pe- <laughs> the pizza. He probably, I, I figured he'd take the pizza and figured he could win back in Buffalo in game three. But, yeah, man, I mean, a little time's passed here. You know, not that it really needed to to change my kind of opinion. I mean, listen, we, we felt like we could win the championship and uh, – you know, we thought we were going to get it done. We knew it wasn't going to be easy. And, you know, Buffalo was the top team all year. They were the, you know, they were the top dog for a reason. And, you know, we thought we thought we could do it. Uh, we came as close as we could in both of those games without winning them. Only one of us could have won. And, you know, I think whoever would have lost, it would, it would have been a heartbreak for us. So, unfortunately, it was us. I take my hat off to them. They're a heck of a team. And, we're going to have a heck of a final here with them in Colorado. I mean, uh, you know what Colorado's doing without Ryan Lee right now. Who you got, uh, Jamie? Who you got? Well, I, I mean, I'm putting my money on Buffalo. I just think they're just they're just too deep. Uh, you know, if, if Ryan Lee's still out, that's obviously, you know, a blow to Colorado. Uh, I, uh, you know, no disrespect to Colorado. They, they've earned to be there, and they're a good team, but I think Buffalo is uh, just too deep up front. And then, you know, when everything breaks down on the back end, they got Vino. So it's a tough combination. Uh, I've lived it five times this year. And uh, I know what they're about to get. They're going to have their hands full. Uh, you mentioned that you've had a little bit of time to reflect on the season and, and the playoffs and everything. I'm wondering now that you do have that time to sit back and look at the season as a whole, how do you, how would you sort of summarize, summarize your guys' first season in Hamilton? Well, I mean, if we're talking about the, 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 the physical move and the new atmosphere and the new market and all that, a new home game, you know, it was awesome. I mean, uh, we're super excited how everything worked out. I, I was expecting good things. So to say we exceeded, exceeded expectations, I don't know if that's the case, but very pleasantly surprised with the turnout. Um, you know, the COVID three games and no fans in the middle was a, was a huge hiccup, but didn't really slow us down uh, too much. So, and then, you know, as far as the team goes, like I, I kind of said earlier, I mean, you know, I think uh, we were better pieces, than right? we were the last time we played and, and I think we can be better yet. So, you know, I think we're moving in the right direction. And, you know, unfortunately, you got to lose some of those tough things before you win them. And, and hopefully that that's what that was for us this year. 
yeah, not to give away your entire draft strategy or anything, but I'm sure there's a couple of areas on your team that you're looking to add some depth or improve on. Do you want to give us a little inside look on where you may be looking to go in that regard? Well, I mean, listen, uh, you know, I've always been looking for another lefty. So, um, you know, that's just a position in this league that's currently really tough and really hard to find those guys. So, you know, you're always looking for offensive depth and, you know, we're a pretty young team, so we'll we'll return most guys to our team next year, and and you know we'll look to build on it through the draft and free agency. So, you know, the work's already started to begin for next year for those of us that are done playing on this year, and uh, you know it never stops for us. Jamie, I should let you know that I am a lefty and I put in my hours here in the Senior C League. So if you're looking for a guy, I'll uh, I'll be there. Senior C legend here, Jamie. <laughs> Um, just to take, I love it. (laughs) Just to take like a, another, like an even bigger step back uh, without answering with a new commissioner. I'm wondering if you can take a look at the league as a whole. And I'm just wondering what you think the next step for the league is just considering, at least in my opinion, they've taken a big step this year with the new TV deal and the added emphasis on social media around teams and, and like tweeting during games and stuff. I'm wondering what you think the next step for the league could be. And again, you can't say find a new commissioner. <laughs> You're not allowed, Jimmy. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, we're in the process of doing that right now. So that's, you know, that's well, going start, really there. Well. start there. Give us an update on that, Jimmy, because I think a lot of people are wondering what's happening. Yeah, we're actually, uh, I'm on the, I'm, I'm on the search committee and, uh, you know, we're, we're in the process. We're following the timeline. We're actually, um, just started, um, some interviews with, uh, a list of candidates that we kind of narrowed down and, uh, you know, we've just started that process, but, um, you know, so far so good. I'm, I'm excited about what, we, what we got going on here and, uh, you know, before not too long, I would say, uh, before the draft, know, then, then I would uh, absolutely, I would think that we're in line to have a new commissioner in place before the draft. Good. Um, the other thing I want to ask you is, and I don't know how much you can tell me about it, but is the CBA with the PA. Um, I've heard not so great things that that the two sides are kind of on different planets right now. Has there been any progress or dialogue between the two parties on getting getting something done here uh, as we move along well i don't really want to get into that okay. too much other other than to say um you know my my understanding is there's constant dialogue um so you know hopefully uh we can all put our heads together here and get something done that both sides are happy with and uh we don't you know need any delays or anything getting into our later topic, but I just like, we something we need to, we need to put to bed. We're coming out of a two year pandemic, uh, a challenging year for, for every team for lots of reasons. And, you know, I mean, while we're optimistic about the future, you know, we still don't know what, what holds there and, and, and hopefully we can get something done and not have any delays, yeah. you know, because it really will, screw everything up as our our new year really kicks over in three four weeks as soon as the final's done and you know with cba uh you know no no cba or no clarity there it makes it really challenged to move ahead with a lot of the off-season activities that 
we as GMs need to do. Yeah, now is not the time to to get in a battle, as far as I'm concerned. I hope things get figured out there rather quickly, as I do with the Ontario Lacrosse Association and Major Series Lacrosse and Mr. Joe Norton and the Brampton Excelsiors uh, Alumni Association. I don't know. I don't even really know where to begin here, Jamie. I, I think, you know, from a listener or a fan's perspective, we've heard a lot out of the Brampton folks with Dean and Nikki and Chad. And I think we know where, where Brampton stands on this whole thing. They want their team back. And now the question has become, are they going to get it? Is it actually theirs? Are they getting a new team? Are they going to have to pay for that team? Are they going to get given a team? But what we do know right now is that there's no senior A lacrosse being played in Ontario. So now, you know, at the beginning of it, I, I didn't really care one way or another on where the, the team was going to land, who was going to be on the team, where that team was going to play. But now that there's games postponed, it is affecting me because I can't watch this and pay attention to it and enjoy it. And that pisses me off. And I imagine you being an owner of a team and not being able to get out on the turf and, and watch your guys play and compete pisses you off. So I don't, like I said, I don't really know where to start. Maybe an update on where we're at. Like I, I feel like we're heading for litigation and, and a courtroom, which is super unfortunate, but maybe that's the direction it needs to go to get this all settled. What can you tell me as far as where we're at right? Well, where we're at right now, I mean, I don't know. You want to roll this back a little? I mean, yeah. And I agree with uh, you know there 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 is a lot of uh, you know obviously there's been a lot of stuff said on uh, on the Brampton side and this and that. You know, these are some things that I think you know to me how I understand these things and, and my viewpoints and my opinions and, and how I'm acting kind of throughout this whole scenario, you know, really goes back to 2018 um, when it was brought to major series lacrosse that, you know, the, the team had been sold to Joe Nort and it was uh, unanimously approved by major series lacrosse. And uh, we just kind of went ahead as business as usual. A couple of years passed. He's the one paying all the bills, owns the team, operating the team in Brampton. As the, as the owner, you know, and no one's really saying anything. And then, then all of a sudden, um, you know, at the end of a period of time, he announces he's going to move to Owen Sound. It's brought before the major series board, uh, his reasons for doing it. And once again, it's uh, approved unanimously. Joe, Joe had no, it wasn't his intentions when he bought the team to, to leave Brampton. But after being there for two or three years, you know, losing a lot of money. And, uh, you know, I own a team outside of Peterborough in our league. You know, owning a team just means you're writing a check, basically. That's how it works in, in major series lacrosse. And, uh, you know, he decided that there was a better opportunity for him. So, Really, that that was the first time that this ever came up, you know, that, that Joe didn't, didn't own this team. That was the first time I had ever kind of heard it. So nobody uh, said anything when he bought the team originally back in 2018, and he was paying the bills, like you said. Nobody had an issue with Joe owning the team. Even when he 
maybe there was a bit of an issue there when he stripped off the logo and put bug juice on it. But still, the team was playing in Brampton. People were getting paid. Everything was copacetic. It wasn't until he decided, you know what? I'm not getting the fan support here. I'm losing way too much money. I want to take this team somewhere else that people started to question this, the actual sale of the team to Joe. Yes. That's, a, you know, so, much, so you know, three, I, I never heard anything about the sale not being legit for, you know, three years, whatever. So, you know, and then of course, when he announced he wants to go to Owen sound, then, then there, there's the uproar from, you know, these Brampton, uh, you know, people that have played in Brampton in the past. And, you know, the, 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 the unfortunate thing right now is, you know, we govern our league. We have the bylaws and, and, and the OLA is, is above us, but they're just the governing body. I mean, to me, we, we should be controlling our league and operating it. You know, there was never an issue. Yes, yeah, you know, to this. I don't, I don't really understand why this even got in front of the OLA to me. To me, if there was, you know, it, it should have never got to them. I, I don't think. You know the 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 Brampton uh, would it legacy group or whatever they call them. I mean they're they're not a team in our league. And with all due respect to those people, you know it, they really should have never had the platform, in my opinion, to talk to them. And you know the, the OLA should have never ruled on it. But you know that has happened for whatever reason. And uh, you know now we're in the unfortunate situation where. The OLA is telling us to do one thing. And, you know, basically, if we abide by what the OLA is telling us to do, we're all putting ourselves in, you know, potential for, for litigation, you know, with the, with Joe and his group. And, and it, it's just crazy. So so where does this um, come out with, with the, the, the legacy group saying that the sale – is null and void and doesn't even count because it was never approved by the OLA. It was, let me, let me tell you something. I believe, and, and, and in time will tell, because uh, I believe we are headed to the courts here. The only place that the sale is not technically being recognized is by the OLA. But, you know, in the real world, that only means something with respect to the OLA. I mean, Joe owns that team. You know, the OLA might be saying he doesn't own that team, but he does own that team. He he, he bought it, um, you know, so. Like this like guy I is said, a successful I mean, businessman, Jamie, right? Like this guy owns multiple companies and, and knows what he's doing in the business world. I I honestly have a bit of a hard time believing that this sale of the Brampton franchise would not be legit. Like I can't imagine him being that dumb not to go through the proper things to make well, sure that it's his yeah well and and to, he believes he's done that we believe he's done that the major series board like to me if these brampton people whatever really truly believe that joe doesn't own this team you know he's been running around he's been technically walking around saying he's owned this team for four years you know, why haven't they done anything about that with Joe legally? It, it, it's because there's nothing there. The only angle was the OLA. And because they've intervened and made their ruling, they've essentially forced us 
into potentially not having a season because we, we under what they've mandated us to do, we just can't legally do it. And what it, what is what have they mandated? Like I know there's is the, the issues to me would seemingly be there's no insurance for major series lacrosse and there's no officials because the OLA are the ones that delegate the officials to the league. Are those the two biggest? Well, no, the, the, no, the, I mean, the issue is uh, two weeks before the start of our season, the OLA and, and, and that's the other thing. I don't think all the processes and the appeal, everything's not being followed properly. In my opinion, I could be wrong, but sometimes they do this. Sometimes they do that. I I don't believe governance is being followed, but basically two weeks before the start of our season, uh, you know, the OLA says that the team is, which has to be returned to Brampton and that Owen sound will get an expansion team. You know, I, I don't even know what, you know, yada, yada, yada. So that's what the OLA said. Oh, and, and, and the, the reason why we can't play is if we play in any league operated by that Brampton group, which the OLA is telling us to do, then, uh, you know, Joe could potentially, you know, we could all be named in, in a potential lawsuit with, with the other people that are potentially going to be named in it to begin with. So, you know, we, we don't really, we have zero choice here. We want to play. We've been ready to play the whole time. You know, there was a lot of good things happening. And, and uh, you know, our own governing body at, at the provincial level is the one preventing us from playing. So, you know, that's where I struggle with it. It kind of goes against everything that they're there to do. So, um, you know, if that's if that's what they, they choose and they stand by that, as far as I'm concerned, I don't have any, any decisions to make at all. Yeah. Man, this is such a mess. So the the OLA is essentially saying that the Owen Sound roster is to be returned to Brampton and that Joe will be awarded a brand new franchise that has to go through expansion and uh, entry draft and all the rest of it to comprise a roster for a brand new team. And I think the issue, well, I, I pretty much know the issue for Joe is that He's got a lot of good players on his roster right now and a lot of investment into the current team that he has. And to just hand that back over after buying the team, he's going to be out a lot of cake. Yeah, I don't think it's so much about the good players on his roster right now. It's more about the players were part of the assets that he bought. So, you know, he believes he owns all those assets and they they are one of those. So. You know, for him to lose all this money operating this team and then having everything taken away from him, it's crazy. And then given back to a, you know, and then give the Brampton team back to a group that was never involved in it in the first place. So it's it's very complicated. Like I said, I, I don't know. To me, we should be governing that in our league, which I believed we were, and the OLA is supposed to stamp it. Um, why they get involved and overrule what we have being approved unanimously by our own league at the board level doesn't really make any sense to me, but that, that that's how it's working. Can I just speak to Doug Louie here for a second? Because it seems like he has been a bit of the scapegoat in all this and taken. And yeah, I'm glad not, you brought, he's not really on I'm social glad. media, so I don't know if he's hearing it or, or even cares or not, but 
He's essentially following the directive of the Board of Governors, which he mentioned has been unanimously in lockstep with Joe about how to proceed on this matter. And it seems to be Doug's the one that's taken all the heat, and, and it's not really fair. Oh, I'm glad you brought that up, because anyone that knows how boards work, and when you have a commissioner like that, um, you know, Doug doesn't have a vote. doesn't have a say in any of that. And Doug works for the board, for the six teams. And we, we control what Doug does. And, and so it, it makes me laugh that people go at him. And, you know, I feel bad for him because, you know, Doug's, Doug's only doing what the board's asking him to do. And um, that's what a good commissioner's supposed to do. So, you know, at the end of the day, I'm, I'm sure he, it, it hurts a little bit. I'm sure he laughs it off. But just because... You, you, you're the loudest on social media doesn't mean you're right yeah. or you're telling the truth. So where do we, where do we go from here, Jamie? Is there any scenario you can see where this gets hashed out or ironed out outside of a courtroom and major series plays lacrosse this summer? Is that even possible at this point? Well, I mean, that's going to depend on whether the OLA, um, you know, is willing to change their ruling because I've kind of heard they're not. And if they're going to stand by their ruling, um, you know, they're basically single-handedly going to end the major series lacrosse in Ontario this season. This, this season. So outside of that, I don't know, is there potential to play a five-team league and, uh, you know, let – Owen Sound and Brampton battle it out in court. Go crazy. I mean, but those aren't my decisions, right? I have nothing to do with that. Those are Joe's Joe's issue is with the OLA. And to me, if if Brampton really felt like if they really had proof that this sale never happened and this and that, you know, I, I don't know why they in the past four years haven't gone after Joe. Because I know if someone was running around saying they owned the Toronto Rock. And I didn't believe they owned the Toronto Rock. I sure wouldn't be sitting back for four years and not saying anything until they tried to move them. And I wasn't happy about it to, to bring it up. So, listen, I, you know, I, I understand, you know, that certain people in Brampton don't want to see the team leave there. And there's a bunch of rich, hist rich history there. And I don't think anyone on our board is against going back to Brampton. Why the leave um, out of know, Brampton but, in the first place, Jamie? It just was it strictly fan support? Just not they weren't supporting. Yeah, listen, I, I think I think it's you know even before I started to be around and you know I started following the Excelsiors when I met Terry and Troy and that would have been when I bought the Rock about two thousand and nine. But Brampton's changed, and back in the day, it was a franchise that was supported, and you know I, I operate a team, I know how it works, and. You know, Joe's just writing checks to having that team in Brampton. He has zero support, you know, outside of the, the very few hardcore people. And, uh, you know, those people aren't looking to – they're only there to support the team, not financially. So, yeah. um, you know, the, the guy's trying to make a go at it. He doesn't want to just – you know, some teams try and make a real go at it, and some teams just say, oh, well, the, I'm just going to write a check and cover the amount. And uh, – you know, I, I take, listen, as far as I'm concerned, if it wasn't for Joe, I don't know if Brampton would be, that franchise would be around, period. 
you know, no one's no one locally when everyone knew when this sale was going down and happened. None of these people that are stepping up now and saying they want to own and operate the team and whatever did that four years ago. So, you know, it's just it's 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 been a it's been an interesting situation. I mean, you know, it seems to me, Jamie, that it's like they're being offered a team back, but they don't want to pay for it. I don't even know if they have to. Honestly, no, that like they've been offered a team. Brampton had we've told Brampton. Listen, when we got hit with this, it was two weeks ago. Well, what's, let what's us the play the, what's let the us nine play, months? Let us, play, let us play the season. Brampton can come into the league next year, and we'll figure out the players as far as who should be going back to Brampton and who should be staying in Owen Sound. And Brampton's just, no, no. OLA said we're in this year. We're and where, in. Where, so where they this- say, but Brampton has no interest. I, I believe for them it's unless they play – if they don't get to play, then they don't want to see anyone play. That's how I see it. And, and what about this nine-month, you know, people saying, well, you had nine months to figure this out. Nine, But you're saying two weeks. Like, why was well, there no communication the the, between the two in, in the, the year leading up to this to try and figure this scenario out? Listen, we Doug's been trying to figure this out since it first came up. The OLA's had four different presidents, I think, over that period of time like it people can say doug Lugan in nine months like these aren't the facts you know getting stuff this isn't this isn't a normal this isn't how normal corporations run and this and that and you can only you know deal with what you can deal with and and we can't control how the ola operates let's leave it at that all right well, well, I, as far as far as that question goes, yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I think that's all I honestly got for you, Jamie. I just find it so disappointing. Like, like I said before, I didn't really care. Like, you know, Brampton, no Brampton, Owen Sound, no Owen Sound. But now that there's no games, and I just like after a two-year pandemic, and now this, it's just mind-boggling. Well, it's un, it's un, it's unnecessary, and uh, so what's next? What's next? Now we sit and wait. And like, how soon do you think this is going to get settled? Like when? Well, I mean, honestly, there, there's there's not a lot we can really do right now. Um, you know, the the OLA is going to have to have uh, some sort of change of heart, care that there's no games happening. But if that doesn't happen, um, you know, there can't be games. And like, all the while, all we, these teams are losing out right now. Fans are losing out, obviously. Listen, but- we're, we're, we're ready to go. I think uh, there was supposed to be that Fred Cheese game. That was supposed to be a regular season game. I think there was – I think there's supposed to be a game maybe tomorrow night. Uh, I know Peter Bros, you know, supposed to open this week. So, yeah, I mean, listen, the damage has already been done. Um, you know, does the OLA want a major series this season or not? That, that, is, that is the question. But right now, based on 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 their ruling, there's there's no place to appeal it. You know, it is what it is, and you know, my understanding is that Brampton's of the same mindset. So if those two people stand on that kind of take that stance, then you know, to me, that will be the uh, that will kill the season. Unbelievable, Tino. You got anything for Jamie Dowd before we let him go? That's everything. It was fascinating to listen to, but that's that's all I got. It's tough, man. I mean, I, it's just 
the whole thing sucks, man. And how Howard up play your jumble said it best. Like Howard up play coming out of this pandemic and, and two years of off and whatever, it, when we're already willing and able to, uh, I don't know, but you know, ultimately at the end of the day, I guess we don't make those decisions. Yeah, so, just, you know, and if this, if this doesn't happen, I don't know what the future of major series lacrosse is like, feel like I'm trying to do my part in my community and in the lacrosse world operating a team to begin with. And, you know, when we can't even, you know, operate our league as a board and whatever, and, and we have the interference like this, you know, makes me, makes me question uh, what, what, what I'm really, what, what am I doing? And why, why am I doing this? Yeah. You know, I, I could be, you know, I could be, be better putting my time and effort towards something that, you know, is positive and, and is is truly about growing the game and, and things like that. Oh, so just come by uh, a little chalet out here in the West, Jamie, and fire up a team in like uh, Penticton or something like that. Yeah, no, listen, man. I mean, you know, we've got, listen, there's there's lots of guys that want to play. There's lots of things to do. My, well, what's going to happen there? Maybe, my philosophy has always been, you know, I do my thing most of the year around. And when the summer rolls around, I, I like to think that I should be working with the OLA as the only professional sports team in, in, the, in the biggest lacrosse market in, in the world. But, you know, we, they, they don't, you know, always seem, you know, they don't seem to feel that that relationship with me and, and, and the, the rock really bring a lot to the table. And I, I never really understood it. And, uh, That's you know, so we did, we, we just put our head down and do our own thing, man. I mean, uh, you know, it's all about, it's all about people playing the game and the game happening and, and things like that. That's all it is for me. I, I think I've proved I'm invested in the game and, and, uh, you know, I just want to see a play and, well, what's you know, going to happen? Supposed to what's... play their first game Monday night, and that ain't happening, as far as I'm concerned. So, well, I'm wondering, yeah. Jamie, what's what? All these players under Senior A protection, with no season to play, can teams hold their players essentially hostage and say, "No, you have to wait until this gets figured out," or are we going to just see a frenzy of guys go play Senior B or come West or whatever? Well, interesting enough, as a guy who's taken over a senior B team here. Oh, you know, so, this is news. Well, I mean, yeah. So uh, we kind of took over the Oakfield Titans um, under our umbrella this year, and they're playing as the Oakville Rock senior B team. Okay. And uh, so, I mean, Obviously, I've been busy up until the last week, and that starts early, so I haven't really been too involved in, in stuff so far. But, you know, there's a lot of people. Uh, I watched a game last night, saw some guys that, you know, should be playing major that, uh, you know, were playing senior B on the other side. We've had a bunch of people reach out to us, you know, Funny enough, Brampton guys trying to get reclassified <laughs> and come play in Oakville. Like how I how how ironic is yeah, that? Yeah, but hey, listen, honestly, in fairness to the players, they just want to play. They, they they just want to play. So, but I mean, like seriously. Uh, so yeah, I mean, who knows what's going to happen? Um, is there a drop dead date on when the latest you can actually start a season and can like get it done? Well, listen, I mean, yeah, I, we don't, I don't know what that is. Uh, you know, for someone like myself, 
not really a big deal because I had the flexibility of owning my own arena and controlling, you know, when we could potentially play games and this and that. But I would think for teams like, you know, Peterborough, you know, the ice goes back in when the ice goes back in and their dates are probably their dates. And every date they lose, I don't know. They're probably not getting one back. So, you know, I listen to me. We're not playing a month from now. I'm just throwing that note, that date out. You know, it doesn't, that's not the day, but roughly, like, I just feel like if we're not playing a month from now, I won't even, I don't even care. I'll be moved on. Yeah. Like, I, I won't even be thinking about this year. And Take I don't know if I'll now. be thinking about, I don't know what the future will be for, for the Oakville team because we, it's, it's got to make sense. I want, I want a good part. I, I'm a type of like, guy that likes to work with good partners and, and that's what I'm looking for. It's what I think everybody's looking for, man. I just, you know, my, my comment to it was, is it's just, I wish this fucking sport would get out of its own way sometimes. Like it just, it's the product is so good, but it's the people and some of the decision makers that just continually just shoot each other in the foot. And, and it just hurts everybody at the end of the day. And I just wish we could all figure it out and, get on the same page. I've said this for years and years. When I talk to people from mainstream media in sports, the first comment out of their mouth is what is wrong with your sport? It's the most broken, fractured sport I've ever seen from every level up and down across the country. Nobody can seem to figure out how to get along and do what's best for lacrosse. Why is that? And everyone, you hear everyone say grow the game, but there's very few people that really just are in it to grow the game. Grow the game doesn't mean grow my position in lacrosse or my influence on lacrosse to whatever for, for gain. Grow the game is about the game. And, and, you know, I think that's the most thrown around phrase in, in, in lacrosse. So many people say it and there's, there's very few people that really truly are just doing things for the greater of the game. And, and I'm sorry, that's, that's what I've seen over my years. And uh, that's my opinion. But, you know, like I said earlier, I can't control anyone else. I can only control what I, what, what I do, how I do things. And, you know, I try and, I, you know, just try and do the right I try I and try and do the right thing. I try and live my life. And that's how I do it. So I you know, not always right. I've been I, wrong I many you. times, but you know, it's it's unfortunate, just, man. It's unfortunate. I hope things get figured out sooner than later back there and we can all get back to watching some major series lacrosse. Uh, well, as- maybe put it this way. The West has a chance. Maybe the West will win the Man <laughs> Cup for once. I was waiting for that. I was waiting hey? for that. Yeah. Hey, Tino. Yeah. Tino, ask me a question. <laughs> Don't That's do it. Don't do it. have been done oh, for right, I'm going to mute you. So I'm gonna, long. I'm going to mute you. He wants to give you a good question. Come on, Tino. Tino. I, I wanted to give Challoner one tonight because I heard Chugger's freebie the other night so just give me a question yeah, ask him what he <laughs> had for lunch ask him what he had for lunch Tino. no what's on the lunch come on what what's on the menu for dinner there jamie <laughs> that is a great question yeah it sure is isn't it 
but the answer is not great. It was just an egg sandwich. Okay. You know, I was uh, on that note. And I, on that note, so, uh, we'll but it was you, a great question. I'll let you. I'll let you go. I appreciate your time, your candidness, your honesty, your openness, uh, all of it, as always, Jamie. And uh, like I said, hopefully we see the Oakville Rock playing some lacrosse sooner than later. And uh, I'm sure we will talk soon, my friend. Thanks. Thanks, guys. And uh, yeah, let's all keep our fingers crossed and hope uh, cooler heads can prevail here and we come to our common sense. So thank you. All right. There you go. Jamie Dowick. Uh, I know that was your first uh, Jamie Dowick experience there, Tino. And I kind of took the reins there on the whole MSL thing. But uh, he gives it to you straight every single time, man. Yeah. And that's, you know, not there's not a lot of people that are like that. So it's it's um refreshing that in yeah refreshing in in my adulthood is something that i've uh grown to really embrace when i find it in people so it was like i said while you guys were talking like my questions were done early on i was i was more than happy to just sit back and listen that was a it's an unfortunate situation obviously but it was fascinating to listen to for sure refreshing just like a good farmer's market out there in white <laughs> Let's take a break here. Quarter three is done. We got one more to go. Evan's back. Lax glass locks are on the other side. EP 186 is back after this. Double overtime. Game seven. Mitch Jones into the middle. Got rim. Got a shot. Scores. Mitch Jones puts the bellies into the finals. Stolen by Mike Messenger. Twisting, turning, scoring. They can taste it. Listen to this place again. You know, the Canadian Army could use a tank like Mike Messenger. Time now for the Kings of Queen's Park, brought to you by the new Westminster Salmon Bellies. Known as clever and clutch, Saskatchewan-born Cliff Sepka played just shy of 500 WLA regular season and playoff games with the Salmon Bellies, all starting in 1954. A perennial all-star, he scored 746 goals and won four-man cups over his 15 seasons. In 1968, the year the Beatles released the White Album, Sepka went out on top in his lacrosse career. As a playing coach, Cliff led the Salmon Bellies to the National Lacrosse Association Pro Championship with an upset win over Detroit. He used himself sparingly throughout the regular season, but put up 54 points in 18 games and wins over Vancouver, Portland, and Detroit to become world champions with New West. Sepka received a five-minute standing ovation from the 5,000 strong at Queen's Park Arena while being carried off the floor on his players' shoulders in his final game. He was inducted into the Canadian Lacrosse Hall of Fame five years later. The new crop of bellies have their home opener this week, Thursday night at Queen's Park Arena against Burnaby. Tickets and info at salmonbellies.com. Welcome back to Lax Class. Into the fourth quarter we go, which means no more breaks. You just heard from uh, Brad Chandler right there. Kings of Queens Park brought to you by the New Westminster Salmon Bellies as Cliff Sepka being honored this week in Kings of Queens Park. Beautiful job. Jersey retired up there at Queens Park. Minto Cup, Man Cup, 1,300 points. Maitland Trophy, Max McDonald Trophy, Huddleston Trophy, Cliff Sepka. You lift. Point being, you don't get your jersey retired by the new Westminster Sandbellies unless you're an absolute freaking legend. And Cliff Sepka, one of those, and some legends in the making, will be back on the parquet at Queen's Park Arena Thursday, a couple of days from now, June 2nd, 
over a thousand days it's been since Samabelli Lacrosse has been at Queens Park Arena, and it's finally here. More Kings of Queens Park coming up all summer long here, courtesy of the new Westminster Samabellies. They got the smoker coming up, of course. Don't forget about that. Not sure if there's still tickets available or not. Check it out, sambellies.com for all your new Westminster Samabellies information. Kings of Queens Park, Cliff Sepka. Uh, welcome back to the podcast, Evan. How's it going, man? Oh, all going well. Uh, got uh, some cross coming up tonight, the coach. Did I see the SWAT got a win? They got a win. Um, and it is crazy. I mean, if you saw John Lewis' tweet this morning about that. Uh, no need RML to practice five on five. Practicing five on five. Yeah. It, it, pretty much he's right there. I'd be willing to bet at best 20 minutes of that game was played five on five. What's up with that? Uh it was really strange officiating, I'll say it that way, in that they were calling a lot of really borderline simple things. They weren't calling obvious things. They definitely weren't cracking down on, on off-ball slashing because that was going on nonstop, and not a single one was called. So there's a lot of frustration right now amongst RML coaches and general managers. like, What's the standard? Because right now there really isn't one. And I think that's coming through not just one team, but several at this point. Interesting. Well, hopefully things uh, straighten out back there in the Rocky Mountain Lacrosse League. Miners are the team to beat there, right? St. Albert? But they lost. They actually took a loss on Sunday to uh, to the Mounties. So okay. right now those two are tied first. By the way, that goalie there for the SWAT my goodness, what a picture, a headshot that was. Uh, looking like he's, you know, like straight out of Whitesnake bass player or something like that. That was nuts. That, like, who is that kid? Oh, I mean. They, Find they him got, a barber. They got two young goalies that's going on at the moment. And uh, the reality, we knew this going into the season. That this is a rebuilding here. It's kind of a, they're one or two years away from being a top contender again. But it was really you know, the last year before COVID hit was the year they had the chance and they didn't pull it off. So yeah. there's a lot of rebuilding that needs to happen right now. All right. Uh, so, you know, we didn't get a, by the way, congrats to the, the Maryland Terrapins who just capped off a undefeated season, made some history. One of the greatest NC2A Div 1 field lacrosse teams of all time. As they run the table, they beat Cornell earlier in the the championship game today, Memorial Day down there in the States. Huge crowd. And uh, producer Donnie, Johnny Donville, got it done there with the Terps. Great to see. And always fun watching a little history. Either of you? No? Nothing? No. Well, I mean, the other thing you got to look at here in that PLL draft, there was like a half dozen Terps taken. I think it might even been more than that. Tino might have the right number, but I think I think I saw on Rabel's Instagram that he said there was 10, 10 future players on the field or something. Well, so I just I actually I got a note uh, from GM of the Vancouver Warriors, Dan Richardson, to let me know that one of the long poles there from Maryland, Owen, I don't even know how to say this, Pribliski. Scored a goal today for, for the Terrapins, and he was a fourth-round draft pick by Vancouver, and apparently the kid wants to play some box lacrosse in the NLL. Big boy. Fourth-round pick. Uh, coming to camp next year for Vancouver, so we'll look forward to, to having a little Terrapin flavor at Warriors camp, uh, which, you know, when you really sit back and think about it, 
is not all that far away, Evan. I know you've been working on uh, expansion draft stuff, entry draft stuff. We'll look forward to that at the Lacrosse Flash. Tino, I know you're going to stay busy with the Flash Familia as well throughout the summer. So we'll look forward to all that. But right now, it's time for Lax Class Locks. It's locked. Lax Class Locks brought to you by Cool Bet Canada. Gave Tino a little refresher on, on the old Cool Bet website uh, uh, before we started recording here. We dialed him in. But if you're new to maybe wagering on sports or you haven't been on CoolBet.com yet, do not waste another moment of time. CoolBet.com, sign yourself up, takes less than two minutes. And then before you deposit anything in there to CoolBet, Top left, green button, bonus code, LAXCLASS. And why you want to do that? Well, the answer is simple. You're going to get free money from CoolBet, up to $200 on your first time deposit. They will match you and give you some free cash to uh, sprinkle around hockey, basketball, baseball, lacrosse. Uh, PLL odds are being posted as we speak. Uh, so we'll have a little fun with that this summer as well. But with the NLL finals beginning, we will stay focused on box lacrosse here on Lax Glass. Wants to go first. Tino, uh, let's go with you because you're you're going off the board here a little bit, taking a prop bet, and it's it's a prop bet on who is gonna score the first goal of the series, correct? Correct. Uh, Zed Williams to score the first goal plus fifteen hundred. I was actually looking uh, in uh, in our like little bit of downtime here. So in two of the four playoff games so far, he scored in the first quarter. Okay. One of the four, he scored the first goal. Okay. So I don't know something to a little research behind your pick. I like a little that. bit of research. <laughs> I like that. I like that. So Zed Williams to score the first goal of the series. At plus 1,500. So we're off to a hot start here already. <laughs> Check out uh, all the the series odds there. You can get some crazy numbers before this thing gets started. So, Zeddy, to score first. Evan, what do you got? We're, we're going to – what are you doing? So I'm going to take the over-under here. And since we're already going a little crazy on, on the, uh, on the uh, first one, I'm going to dial it down a bit. We're going to go – and reduce the over under to 22 and a half instead of 23 and a half. Okay. So over 22 and a half. And I just kind of look at it as Colorado's coming off a tough series. You've got Buffalo who's probably chomping at the bit. The Colorado defense has had moments of brilliance and moments of complete failure. And I just think that Buffalo's probably going to put up 14 on their own. So that's why I like that pick. It's an over 22 and a half at minus 133. Yeah, 15-14 the final in the regular season. And bookmakers, like I said, putting it at 23 and a half. And I think that's right where it's going to be, right? 13-12, 12-11, 14-12, something around in there. Uh, so you're bumping it down, playing it safe, and going 22 and a half, and going over with that. And I'm just taking the, the point spread, the handicap on this, and... 
I think with it being game one, I think the Bandits are going to be rested and sharp. So I'm taking them at minus one and a half, and we're getting plus 110 on that, which is a little rare. Usually that's like around a minus 110, but we're getting some a little extra juice on it because it's so early in the week, I would think, and that number may change as the week goes along. So get in on that while you can. Buffalo at minus one and a half. And check out the CoolBet website after you sign up. Deposit all that in the little search bar there. Just put in Lacrosse Classified and you'll see the parlay. I don't know what that number is going to add up to, Evan. But if you throw down 20 on that sucker, you're <laughs> you're taking a vacation when it cashes in. We could actually close to 6,000, to be frankly honest. But Let's go. Uh, Why not? I mean, it's not out of the realm of possibility that those three bets come in. It's really not. It's it's gonna make uh, it's gonna make cool bet a little nervous on that first goal, but that's okay. But there's a lot of interesting ones here, like what Tyson Gibson at plus three thousand. Yeah. Even Connor Robinson plus seven hundred. Liger's at plus. Well, yeah. Like, like I mean, I think my advice would be on that is spread it around a little bit, right? You can, you're not going to win them all, but if you win the one, you're going to recruit all the, the hedge bets that you made. Well, I mean, here's some interesting ones. They had these before these head to heads, most goals. Mm. Give me your thoughts on these TN one versus Zed. I like Zed. And, and, I like Zed. And Zed is a plus one twenty five on. Yeah. I think I like Zed that because I just, there's so many, goal scorers on Buffalo that I think they look to Zed a little more for production than they do from Nanakoke in that regard. Even money. Dane versus Connor. Give me Dane. I, <laughs> the guy led the league in scoring. Yeah. I so, yeah. Um, and here's Clucci versus McLaughlin. Clucci's a plus 133. Yeah, give me Eli on that. Clucci yeah. kind of slowed down a little bit in the back half of the season. So, Anyways, lots of uh, fun different prop bets available for you, courtesy of CoolBet, and, and like I said, lots of other sports to have some fun with as well. Bonus code Lax Class is your best friend. You're going to get $200 free on your first time. Deposit. Uh, fellas, another fantastic episode here, if I do say so myself. Well, thanks for can joining us. Can I ask us. you one question? Yeah, sure you can. I know we're not playing what, who you got, but game one, who you got. Well, I'm taking Buffalo at minus one and a half. I already yeah. told you who I got. Well, I'll take Buffalo too. Who's Tino? Who you got? Yeah, just for the sake of it, I'll take Colorado. Okay, I, you know, it could happen. I really, this series is going to be fantastic. That much we know. Don't forget to give us a follow on social media at Shemlax, at Ferratino, at PXB for Sports. The show is at Lax Class on Twitter, Lacrosse Classified on Instagram got a facebook page email address as well at lacrosseclassified at gmail.com if you want to get a hold of us via email don't forget to subscribe and review huge thank you out to our sponsors of course stampede tack western wear associated labels and packaging rycor construction the new westminster sandbellies and cool bet canada for joey capito and jamie dowick thank you to you for coming on the program and to you the loyal listener for checking out lacrosse classified each and every week right here on the home of it the lacrosse flash podcast network now, we're out of here. For Evan Schemenauer and Tino Farah, I've been Jake Kelly, and for the fastest game on two feet, for the creator, stay safe, stay healthy, and stay classified.